You're listening to the PKJ and Yahweh podcast, where I take the supernatural world around us, connect it to complicated biblical theology, and then try and make it simple for everyone to gain revelation. If you're new to this podcast and would like more information, please go follow me on Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. All right. Well, hey there. Welcome. And I've got Justin on here. And thanks, guys, for joining again. And uh, Justin, I found you on TikTok. And I think your, your, your handle there is Dale Force Media, right? That's correct. Yes. Dale Force Media. Yeah. Dale Force Media. And, and so you're a content creator, obviously. I mean, I found you on TikTok. Mm-hmm. But what kind of stood out to me was just your heart for sharing the word of God. And I think the first video I saw of you was you stating you're going to read the whole Bible throughout on, on, on your TikTok in sections. And then you just straight up post big old chunks of time of you reading the Bible. And I'm like, this is solid. How could that fail? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Yeah. yeah. Um, so like you said, I uh, basically content creator. I do, uh, you know, I'm self-employed doing video and photo work. And uh, most recently, I've been actually kind of shifting those uh, skill sets to sharing the word of God because I, uh, <clears throat> I, I actually consider myself pretty recently saved, like, truly and uh when that happened it kind of went from it it changed the entire direction of my life because i was kind of going down this path of like you've seen like all the granola talks and stuff like you know uh just people shooting really cool outdoor videos and photos and stuff and uh oh yeah posting their hiking adventures and you know saying the ultimate goal of humanity is just to be happy and you got to find your happiness and you do that by going outdoors. And that was exactly the direction that I was going. And, uh, right. You know, I, I, I've known about the Bible. I've known about God. I've believed that he's been real for a very long time, but, uh, yeah, I was very unrepentant in my ways and just kind of, uh, just kind of lived a life of rebellion. Like, you know how kind of like, I, I like to point people to the example of uh, Pharaoh, you know, with uh, Moses. Because he asked for forgiveness and he asked, you know, that he said that he was sorry, but he, and he believed who God was, but he did not repent and he ended up dying in his unrepentance and hardness of heart. And uh, that's kind of where I was at. And I was just kind of like pursuing this like kind of humanist view of the world where I was like, yeah, you just got to get out there, you know, enjoy the creation and like, uh, be happy. And like, Hmm. that was the message I was putting out to people. And then I started feeling like more and more, uh, like that was a completely meaningless message, which I think it's even less than meaningless. I think it's just deceitful and, uh, you know, comfortable lie. And, uh, so at that point when I started feeling like that, I actually coincidentally had about a month where like I had almost no phone signal. Oh wow! Because of the place that we were, <laughs> and uh, some some people are pretty jealous of that, bro. Oh <laughs> well, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, I think it saved my life. Really? <laughs> and uh, you know, I started reading the Bible more, and uh, I had a few books on like apologetics, which I've studied in the past, but uh, I started reading the Bible in conjunction with them, and then I started realizing, like, oh my gosh all this time I believed in God, but I've never actually like known a clue. I haven't had a clue about who he was. Wow. And, you know, started forming a relationship with him. And that's when I actually started shifting the direction of, uh, what I was doing with my life and what I was, the content that I was putting out because I didn't want to mislead people and just lull them into, uh, you know, comfortably seeking happiness on a day to day basis. Right. 
but yeah, that's how that started. Man, no, bro, that's that's incredible. And and what I love about that is you're right. There's so much content out there that you know calls us to the wild, calls us to the nature, and and I think a part of it of why it's so mysterious and and alluring is because the wild never ends. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. it's like you can never fully uh, search it all, so to speak. And so mm-hmm. and so it it, it almost puts you in this never ending pursuit of there's got to be something more. Well, let me go to another, let me go to another Canyon. Let me go to another forest. Let me go to another ocean, mm-hmm. you know, let, let me, mm-hmm. and, and you're always searching and, and it takes a long time often, unless, unless the Lord intervenes, you know, with your cell phone service mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for, for you to finally reach that end where, where you're like the, the, there's, there is nothing more yet. Yeah, yeah. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And, and all of creation displays his goodness. And, and as you're sitting in the midst of his creation, sometimes I, you know, that's the op- obstacle that we come against, especially in today, there's a lot of new age, a lot of yep. worship of creation instead of, you know, we're worshiping the very things that we were called to rule, you yeah. know, and it back in the garden of Eden. And it's like, you know, you see the uh, the Israelites worshiping a, a cow, you know, like a golden calf. Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. God said, have dominion over the whole earth, you know? Um, and, and that wasn't per se over people. It was saying over, you know, subdue and, and have dominion over all the things that creep and crawl on the earth and, and, and expand his kingdom, you know, more or less. And it's just interesting how we have shifted a lot to this wonder of discovery of what does the earth have to teach us and i think it's exciting to even hear your story that even as you're out there the lord just kind of called you back you know and and, and it, it wasn't enough just to look at the trees and the rocks he's yeah. like no you need to you need to come back to my word too <laughs> right yeah yeah and like you know as far as like what you were saying there you know this is one of the passages that kind of struck me like as i was uh I guess you could say transitioning from my old life to being reborn. Uh, I was reading through Acts and Acts 17, 23 says, uh, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to an un- to the unknown God. Yep. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing I- him, I proclaim to you. And it's, uh, you know, basically the account of like, these people that were worshiping a God, but they didn't know who it was. And so they literally made an inscription to the unknown God who created the world. And, uh, you know, Jesus says to those who have much more will be given and to those who have little, even what they have will be taken away. And I heard a pastor recently talking about how, you know, everybody must come to realize at some point, either that, well, it's a decision that you make. You either look around yourself and you wonder who created all this and then you start searching for the creator or you deny that there's even a creator. Mm. And then in that moment, like what little you have is taken away because you just are essentially hardened to the idea of there even being a creator. And then, you know, save for wow uh, circumstances thereafter, you basically pursue the hardening of your heart against the possibility of there even being a God. And Mm-hmm. You know, it was just a huge blessing to be raised in a family that, you know, pretty, pretty uh, firmly taught me that like creationism was the way. But uh, I never really 
decided to get to know the creator yeah <laughs> for like 24 years or something wow wow <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so so you were raised uh you, you were raised then in, in a in a christian family is that what you're saying yeah yeah i was okay yeah yeah and 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 so did you do the whole like youth group and church and all that kind of stuff growing up or or not so much how what was that like for you um sporadically yeah so you know when i and now this is interesting, too, because I think that my mom has recently told me that she only thinks that she was saved back in like 2017. But, you know, much mm-hmm. before that, mm-hmm. she was, uh, you know, having us read like uh, Christian publications about creationism and about how, like, you know, God is the creator versus and like expo- like publications that not only told you that, but like exposed the holes in the, you know, evolution and Big Bang and like all these secular theories. Right. So you really had a firm grasp on why it's more logical that there's a creator than just like random chance. And, uh, you know, so much, much younger in life, like we started out, I think at like a Lutheran church when I was like two years old. And obviously I don't remember that, but that's like where <laughs> I was baptized, quote unquote. Awesome. I don't consider that actually being baptized, but sure. yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I couldn't have possibly made that decision. Right. And, uh, so then around like five or six years old, I think they switched to going to a Baptist church with us. And so then I was like part of Awana groups and whatever. Oh, yeah. Awanas. <laughs> awesome. Right. I don't really remember much of that either. And then, you know, watched like all the Veggie Tales and all <laughs> like the uh, like all the, you know, cliche like 90s kids Christian stuff, basically. And, you know, I was part of the Boy Scouts before 2012 and, uh, you know, had some pretty strong christian influences there too nice and uh yeah so i was i was just really raised like you know to believe that you know christianity and the bible is the way i just never took it personally like i really had no concept of who god was the author of the bible who god was the one that christians worship like i just was kind of a part of the group but really floating in the sidelines and then you know as i went to college uh i'd say that's where i where where the truth was really revealed um because you know in high school i was my my family's pretty strict i'll say that you know Mm -hmm. pretty strong protestant christian values and like you know we had you know curfews and all that and like (laughs) not really much chance for rebellion i guess is what i'm getting at totally get it and uh Right. So like I thought of myself as a pretty, you know, well-behaved, quote unquote, good person. And, you know, there's indicator number one that I had no clue what I was talking about with Christianity. And uh, as I got into college, you know, my morality and my, uh, you know, what I actually believed really came out and it was not very pretty. Okay. And uh, after college, you know, I continued in that kind of direction like i still believed the bible was true and i still believed that creationism was true all through bible like not not through bible through college um but i never really practiced what i preached so to say so to speak i I just lived in a rebellion and kind of hardness of heart and like you know i kind of i was kind of of the opinion that like you know i know i know who god is so i'm all good to do like literally whatever i want right and whatever i wanted ended up being you know nothing short of satanic in some instances sure and that was pretty unfortunate to see and what i'm referring to there is like you know just you know the types of music i was listening to Hmm. like 
really needed to change my workout uh playlist <laughs> in college but <laughs> right yeah uh, yeah that was not great music um but yeah and then like after getting married to my wife like we you know like i said kind of like moved out into the middle of nowhere had you know uh was pursuing kind of the humanistic like typical just naturalistic views of the world and right slowly slipping further and further away from the Bible. And uh, then started reading the Bible and I was like, oh, wait, if this is true, I think it was Ezekiel 33, six that jarred me into reality. Surprisingly really? enough, Ezekiel yeah. 33, six. I'm going to, I'm going to open yeah. that up. I want to, let's take a peek at that. Do you got it memorized? Um, <laughs> roughly. Okay. Um, I mean, it. It, it's, let me see. I'll, I'll read it. Cause I don't want to get it wrong here. Oh, and no it was worries. a really important verse to me because you know, one day as I'm walking along in my blindness, I'll say, um, I got on Instagram, my favorite place to waste time <laughs> at the time. Yeah, now TikTok, <laughs> and, uh, right? Yeah. <laughs> right, TikTok now. Now, actually, I've been really trying not to even spend too much time other than publishing stuff on TikTok. Like I, right, create content, not consume it. Right, exactly. That's, that's why I tell my kids, I said, uh, create more content than you consume. Mm-hmm. It's important because if you don't and like, you know, you're idolizing social media in essence, kind of. Right. I mean, you you can get the algorithm to like shift towards like Christian TikToks and stuff. And like there it's like a little bit right. you know, beneficial. But anyhow, uh, 33.6 of Ezekiel. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes any person from among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require from the watchman's hand. And here I am reading this verse like, you know, I mentioned that I was blind and I, I read that verse and I was like, whoa, well, I believe the Bible. So, uh, you know, I don't I don't really want people's, you know, fates on my hand. <laughs> right. So I, I better start talking about the Bible with people. And, you know, I at that point, I think we moved to Sedona about two weeks later and I literally we we parked like at the top of this one hill and uh you know for anybody listening you know secrets out you guys probably aren't going to be a threat to me or anything but uh, <laughs> i live in a bus a schoolie with my wife and That's awesome. uh, you know we we get to move wherever we want and it's pretty cool that is really but cool we were parked... did you guys rebuild it like build it up yourself yeah yeah um i have a little background in well little like 13 years of experience in construction and my wife is uh went to college for architecture and uh so collectively we managed to build ourselves a nice little kind of cabin vibe bus and it's you know Man. pretty lit because we don't have much cost of living and uh, right you know we get to like the spot i was just about to mention like we were literally parked on top of this uh hill that you know people take pink jeep tours to for 180 dollars a person wow and uh you know, that would be their final destination of the tour. And we were just like kind of sitting there in the bus, like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's it, so cool, man. Really, really fun place to be. But then like I, I had just read Ezekiel 33, six and I'm like, you know, well, I believe that this is true and I don't want people's blood on my hands. Mm. And so I want to talk to people about the truth because I need to, it sounds like. And as I started talking to people about the truth, uh, I realized I had no idea what the truth was yet. Wow. And that started out on that hill. I was I had made I drew a little sign that said, How old are these rocks behind me? 
Wow. And I stood there because I knew that the Jeep tour guides would get out of the truck and tell them that they're like 230 million years old or something <laughs> like that. Right. And I was like, that's completely unbased. There's absolutely no evidence to prove that. Right. You, and so I your mom just, made you read all that, you know, creation books and then, you know, all that. And so you're like, I know that that's not true. <laughs> so. Right. I understood that radioisotope dating is completely based on an assumption. There are so many variables in that equation, mm -hmm. starting out with the amount of, you know, isotopes present at the beginning. And then you the only thing that you can measure is what's there right now. And you have no clue where it started out. So you can use decay rates and all that. And that's fine and dandy. But you would have had to been there at the beginning and measure it with a Geiger counter. Yeah. And then the end. And so I basically just stood there and challenged like, I don't even know how many people came by during those two weeks that we were there. But like it was like, you know, probably to the tune of a dozen a day. And some of the tour guides thought it was pretty great. Some of them actually had some really positive responses to it. And some groups in particular were like very like interested in what, you know, was going on. But some of the tour guides really did not appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Because, uh, right. Me saying that it's 6,000 years old when they're saying it's 230 million years old. And then, you know, I, I would walk them through the process of like, you know, well, okay, how how old are the rocks? And, you know, they would usually answer like, oh, 230 million years old. And I said, why? And <laughs> they would say, well, uh, because of radiometric dating. And I said, well, do you know how that works? And they said, well, uh, something like carbon dating. And I'm like, do you know how carbon dating works? And they said, uh, no. And that's when I would explain the holes in it. And they would kind of just like sit there and cross their arms and look at me funny. Right. And, uh, well, and, and, and with that, it's like, it makes me think of, honestly, you know, now you've got these guys that are coming up that are the tourists, experts, whatever, mm -hmm. trying to tell the story of what they've been told. And, and isn't that so much how a lot of us who, who maybe grew up in the church or just did church things, mm -hmm. we, we can, we can regurgitate what we've been told, but we yep. don't know why it's like, well, 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 what is, what is. Uh, how does Jesus take away your sins? Uh, well, he forgives us. Okay, well, mm -hmm. what, what is that forgiveness for you? Mm -hmm. um, it means that he's not mad at me anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> but it, 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 so So it's such a surface level. Yeah. And it's not until finally we, you know, I feel like even what you said while you're up on that mountain, uh, you were just thinking about you want to share the truth, but you're like having this pilot moment you know between mm -hmm. jesus and Pilate, and like what is truth yeah like i'm looking at truth right in front of me yeah but what is truth exactly i, I see it but i can't comprehend it yeah and you want to you wanted to discover it yeah oh my gosh and like when i started reading more of the bible like when i when i started talking to people about you know my quote-unquote faith at that point and what i believed like I decided I decided very early, like, you know, that I was going to follow the advice of Proverbs and lean not on my own understanding, but the word of God. And so when I started talking to people about what I believed, I told them I believed in the Bible and, you know, they would, you know, immediately I, I got like a lot of criticism, a lot of objections, a lot of like claims about why that's wrong. And, you know, questions about why I believe the way I did. And, you know, as they started asking these questions and throwing these opposing views to what I was going to defend, I realized I had no answer for it. And so mm. it made me dig in and like, you know, really learn about what 
the Bible says. And as I started researching, like, you know, what, what does salvation mean? Like, what is, what did Jesus do on the cross? Why, why is that so significant? Like, Mm -hmm. um, right. All all these different questions, like, you know, what, what's free will, you know, what, what about God's sovereignty in relation to free will? Right. Like all these like fairly complex questions. And, uh, you know, and and in conjunction with that, like, since I do really love apologetics and I, I've taken, uh, like three years of college, uh, biology and chemistry Mm -hmm. and uh so i have a fairly good grasp on like secular science too because that's what they teach you in college but i also understood like all the way through college that there are a lot of holes that they're just not discussing but um right the the apologetics kind of recon like as i was answering the apologetics questions pretty easily because i already knew the answers to that stuff it kind of like got my mind in this pattern of like oh wow well okay i actually really do have like a fantastic defense for god being the creator for him being real for there being undeniable proof that he is the god of the universe and that he is all powerful and able to do all this stuff so then if he really is who he says he is i better know his word really well and then as i started realizing like you know you know dead branches get cut off the vine you know that uh faith without works is dead. Not that you you can't earn salvation. And that seems to be something that people really get right. confused as to what I'm saying. I, cause like I, I listened to a few sermons on repentance uh, mm-hmm. and you know, many more now, but uh, as one of my favorite explanations goes, it's basically, it's not, it's not a work. You can't, you can't repent of your own volition. Right. Like, repentance is something god grants you and it comes from godly sorrow which leads to salvation Mm -hmm. and repentance and belief are two sides of the same coin you can't truly believe without repentance and you can't repent without believing essentially because if you actually repent of your ways then you are like you are believing you believe that your whole life it's a life-changing event because your whole view towards like sin and where you sit on the like where you sit in position to sovereignty in your life changes because you go from like, you know, I'm going to do what I want to, oh, wow, okay, there's my way and then there's God's way and my way leads to death and destruction and God's way leads to everlasting life. And so I need to, I need to just do what he wants me to do, not because it will, not because that will earn you salvation, but because you have been saved and because of what he has done for us, he loved and therefore we love him. It's this uh, analogy of he stands at the door and knocks and anybody who should answer, like he will come in and dine. But like you couldn't answer the door if he wasn't already knocking. So it's not you <laughs> who started that right. necessarily. Right. No, it's it's so true. It's kind of like, you know, the little kid doesn't know that mm-hmm. uh, eating a cookie before you know, right before dinner or eating an unlimited amount of cookies is wrong until either he experiences Mm -hmm. until that child experiences and uh, the pain of eating too many Mm -hmm. cookies. Right. Uh, (laughs) And, and has Mm -hmm. the understanding to, to equate the pain with what they did. You know, it's kind of like that concept, even Mm -hmm. uh, not to compare children to dogs, like by any means, but you know, when, when you come home and your dogs pooped on the carpet, like, uh, according to training, tra- how, how you're supposed to train dogs. By that point, if you scold them for pooping out, if you, if you scold the mm-hmm. dog 
for pooping on the carpet, the dog's gonna be like, man, like what the heck? I, I, I don't remember how long ago I did that. Like it, they're not going to connect it to them doing something wrong right then. It, it, the best way is to bring the correction in the moment. And so likewise, um, with, with mm-hmm. humans, you know, we, we can only repent if, uh, we know w- that what we're doing is wrong. It's even as in the book of James, it says he who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it's a sin, Yeah, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it's also that other, you know, uh, discussion out there that about the, the age of accountability or the age mm-hmm. of, uh, uh, there's another way they say it, but essentially at what point, um, and I don't think it's any one given point in right. time or age specific, but mm-hmm. uh, that's just my, pers- but, but w- essentially as the word of God says, when, when the child knows enough to reject, uh, you know, uh, to eat the curds, you know, and honey to reject the uh, wrong and accept their good. Like then that's the point where he can make the decision of, I want to be saved. I know right. that there's a savior. I know that I've done wrong. And, yeah. and it, you have to have, you have to come to that awareness. And, and I think that's the scary place that sometimes Christians get into um, is, is, you know, I've heard verses and, and like super grace, uh, type stuff where, yeah. where it's like, you know, to the pure, all things are pure. And it's like, yeah, amen. Praise God. But like, here's, here's the other piece is I, I was teaching the other, uh, back in October, uh, my youth, just this, an apologetics, uh, based, uh, topic. And, uh, when I, when I got to it was about new age mysticism in the church. And, and I think this, this study showed 62% of, of practicing Christians, uh, also practice some form of new age belief, uh, like yeah. actively. Yeah. That's spooky. Um, and it's, it's crazy, man. Like that's, that's a lot. I mean, that's from, but yeah, here, here's 61% of Christians put their faith in new age belief or ideas. And, and, and that, that ranges from, uh, that, uh, psychics have reliable insight in the future, reincarnation, astrology, or spiritual energy exists in, uh, physical things. And so, I mean, that, that could spread a gap of, you know, for stuff from your horoscopes. Like you can't even start a tick, you can't even start a, a Snapchat account without them setting you up with your, your horoscope. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so it's, it's, it's interesting because we, we, you know, even, even the concepts of karma and, and that's why I, I, we'll kind of talk a little bit here about like, like you mentioned apologetics and, mm-hmm. and why I really like doing this. So I'm, I'm, I'm a youth pastor, but I also am dad and I have kids who uh, do competitive speech and debate with the STOA mm-hmm. speech and debate is a Christian debate league for homeschoolers throughout the nation. And my, my daughter's gone to mm-hmm. nationals a couple times and, and she was going to the, she, she was likely, hopefully, you know, like she was at, uh, fit to win uh, in 2020, but then everything, you know, closed down and no one could travel. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> move, move forward from there, but uh, God redeemed all things. And, uh, but with that, some of the questions that that uh, we help equip these kids with, because one of their categories for speech and debate, they, they get cool topics, you know, um, mm-hmm. but for the speeches, they have to prepare an answer uh, for 88 apologetic questions. And they spend their, you know, school year time studying and preparing and writing little note cards for these, because when they walk into the room with their suit and tie on and the judges, they grab three little strips of paper that are sitting in front of the judge and they have to choose which of those three questions are going to answer. And it's from the 88, Mm -hmm. you know, and they've got two minutes to think through how to answer this sufficiently in less than a six minute response or less than a seven minute response, basically. And 
And I mean, the questions are, are, are vast. I mean, they, they, they range from ones that you've even already touched on, you know, but like what, one of them that the kids really enjoy doing actually is, uh, is there, what was this? Uh, what evidence is there for the existence of God in our physical universe? You know? And so it hmm. just fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And, they, and, and some kids will talk about, well, look at, uh, or, or is there, or is there evidence for the, uh, th- that there's a creator, you know, and, and they, a lot of them will mm-hmm. use the concept of giraffes, uh, you know, with the, the baffles and the valves in their head because of how the blood pumps. And if they put their head down and it wasn't designed just right, the, their heads would literally explode with blood, <laughs> you know? And so mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. and then also the other, another one of when lightning strikes, it actually is releasing nitrogen into the soil that it hits and, and oxygenating, uh, and, and restoring the soil wherever lightning strikes and, and just all these different kind of perspectives. But, um, apologetics is so key to, uh, really, really knowing what you believe, but also I've seen other kids who go to the other side of the extreme where it's, apologetics is everything, but they don't have any relationship with God. It's all in their head knowledge. Yeah. <laughs> so, so mm-hmm. like, uh, what, what are, what are some, you've been studying apologetics for a while, you know, um, mm-hmm. like what, what are some of the things that you've, you've really come across that have massively impacted you from, from a fu- foundation of your faith, you know, that, that like now you feel as you go and you share you you're you're confident that no matter what you come across like you've got something to stand on you know what i mean like what are some of the cool revelations you've come across here that just just excite you well you know so i've i spent about three years of uh my earlier life like during college while i was you know i I was taking pre-veterinary uh courses for a couple years and uh while i was doing that and then like one year of high school like my senior year of high school so three years altogether i was uh working at this vet clinic and uh i was tremendously blessed to be like in very close contact with the doctors of that clinic for a long time and uh you know i i absolutely love biology i like since i was like seven years old i've been wanting to be like an entomologist or a paleontologist or something and like you know that's kind of irrelevant to like actually learning because I don't think I could have done that at seven but I've had a huge passion for biology and like the Mm -hmm. biodiversity of earth for a very long time and in those three years of uh, working at the vet clinic they taught me more than I think college did altogether honestly Hmm. um but they taught me about like some pretty advanced biochemistry and like you know physiology of the body and like how like different chemicals play a role in like interacting with your body and like changing the processes that go on in it. As I was learning about that, I was also taking uh, my AP bio course and then bio one and two in college. And uh, I had already had a fairly strong high school education about like biology in terms of creationism. Mm -hmm. And so I knew kind of like what what to expect from the secular side but i also knew like some of the holes and and one of the main holes and this is the the reason i bring this up because it's something i'm very passionate about yeah and is that biology i think really shows a lot of the omniscience and uh power of god and his designing Mm -hmm capability it's it's almost like 
it's a glint, it's a very it's a very minuscule like you know any any amount of information compared to infinite knowledge is nothing like that's just mathematic mm. like any number compared to infinity is zero or infinitely right. close to it right and so likewise any complexity of biology compared to an omniscient god is zero but it gives you a tiny glimpse of how powerful his mind is and how powerful his capability to design is and something that i found nobody can answer me with like a a good answer and it's something that i go to a lot when you know if i'm having a conversation on the street as i have tended to do recently um awesome I'll just ask people like, you know, where, where did life begin? And they'll, they'll, I've heard some crazy answers. Like, you know, you know, some people saying like, you know, that, oh, it began at like, you know, sulfuric springs down at the bottom of the ocean or it began on where did the ocean different planet and was (laughs) seeded by an asteroid. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. In the, where did the ocean come from? You know, it came from an asteroid aliens seeded it. Uh, you know, the, the multiverse theory I've heard recently, like, you know, some other universe, uh, seeded life here. Mm -hmm. And while, the the trans dimensional thing like not trans dimensional but like extra dimensional okay concept is actually kind of interesting in that like it almost seems like we are living in a lo- like lower dimension than heavenly beings essentially i, I don't hmm. fully okay. understand it yet it's a concept i've heard recently and it's interesting in terms of like pharmacy and stuff but that's yeah. a separate topic um <laughs> hey that, we, the, we, could, uh, we could talk about that too but <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll uh, fit it all in today but yeah well <laughs> right <laughs> um but yeah so the the one question that nobody has been able to answer me is where did like how did life begin because a lot of them will say like if they don't know fully like where it began, they'll say like, Oh, evolution. And it's like, okay, so where did that first cell come from? Oh, the first self-replicating molecule. And I'm like, okay, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. And there's no answer for it because the, the, at the base of evolution and secularism at the basis of like basically what Darwin and so many scientists proclaim, like you'll hear it all the time. Like, you know, anything but atheism is just mythical books and Mm -hmm. like, you know, made up stories but what their entire ideology rests on are two ludicrous claims i'm going to call it that because it is one you know stephen hawking himself said you know when when answering the question of where did how did the universe begin where did it all start his most like valid answer for that that he himself said on like national geographic was that nothing expanded into everything right right and so like okay nothing you can't nothing means no energy no matter mm-hmm. nothing was cape nothing could possibly spark the beginning of the singularity and then once you have the singularity it's impossible for that to actually be like without you know a divine power for nothing to become everything right because matter and energy like you cannot destroy either they can be converted into one another but the whole theory rests on that presupposition but then even if you give them that and say okay all right that we'll we'll assume that that happened and then you have mass and energy Mm -hmm. and then you have chemicals floating around and this is where it's really really good because 
abiogenesis is something that almost no secular scientist and no like supporter of atheism or like evolution wants to talk to you about because Hmm. abiogenesis is something that's been being researched for decades now and there is absolutely no proof of it being possible without like engineering so in a because abiogenesis just give context for people who wouldn't know (laughs) <laughs> that that's basically uh the 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 mutation right the development of, uh for the better of from a, from a cell to something else is that what you're saying no no so it's actually be okay break it down pre-cell yeah so th- this is where it's really cool because you know this is this is the supposition that atheism rests on is that chemic something that you would have to call chemical evolution occurred mm-hmm. and so you've heard of the primordial soup yes and yeah. That's basically their they they always breeze right over that because they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's basically the concept that, you know, we you you give them you give them the Big Bang, you give them the Earth, you give them the fine tuning of where the like where our orbit fits so that the temperature is right. And there's actually water. Oh, yeah. And you give them the fine tuning of atoms so that they can exist in more than one state. Right. And. You give them all that and then you say, okay, so how did life begin? Abiogenesis is the primordial soup of chemicals Mm. floating around in this like soup of watery chemical mass. Mm -hmm. And the assumption is that chemicals, you know, the biology is based on DNA and RNA and they're, you know, four nucleotides for DNA. That's, you know, four essential elements. And even if you were to put those all in the same place, you'd have to have them bind together in the right order to actually form like an information pattern because it it strikingly resembles a language when you actually break it down because you have four nucleotides that produce like 20 amino acids that produce about like uh, 30,000 proteins, I want to say, which produce, you know, collectively when you combine those 30,000 proteins, they can make every single living cell that you see in the universe. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, you know, letters, words, sentences, books Mm. is essentially the levels that you have there. And intel like information can only come from intelligence and intelligence must come from intelligence. But you can't have like when you actually try in like a chemical lab to recreate the process that would have created the first like strand of dna and a strand of dna in one single cell of your skin you have about four feet of dna and if you laid it out on the floor you couldn't even see that it was there because it's so microscopic wow and that contains like the entire genome in it and that's like you know roughly as much as most computers like roughly as much information as most computers have in code right and you'd have to form a polymer four feet long for one cell. (laughs) And when you try that out in chemistry, polymers don't just form four feet long. They actually have to be put together like that, because if you don't put them together, what happens is like the whole basis of chemistry is opposite charges, positive, negative and neutral. Wow. And you the goal is for the molecule to reach basically a neutral state. Sometimes it's not a neutral state. You have ions and stuff like that. But uh isotopes and you know like positively or negatively charged molecules but generally speaking the goal is for the like the goal of chemistry in essence is just to zero out the charge right and so whatever will bind to the end of the polymer the most easily to form a neutral charge is what will bind there it won't just keep binding to a four foot long strand of dna and then even once you have that in order to replicate the dna you need these other structures of the cell Mm -hmm. 
And so in essence, you can't get from chemicals to a to a self-replicating molecule without the presence of an entire cell, not just the DNA strand, but you need the other chemical like the other structures in the cell that help re- like unzip the DNA and replicate it with the mRNA and then, you know, produce it and like actually help split the cell into two right so you actually need an entire cell before you can have a self-replicating molecule and there is no proof in decades of research that that is possible and it's actually kind of leading a lot of like top biochemists and microbiologists to say no we we actually can't prove abiogenesis is possible and so maybe there is grounds for intelligent design and that's where you have now emerging theories where they don't want to admit it's god yet (laughs) right so they have of course, they don't want to, they don't want to admit that it's God, so they'll say, "Oh, multiverse theory, Prometheus, or, you know, the alien, yeah, right, yeah, all that kind of exactly. stuff." Exactly. No, that that's exactly, and that's called panspermia. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so weird, but yeah. I, I mean, and and that that is so in line with just the questions uh, that that these kids are having to study and learn, and and that they're being assaulted with at school. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because and and that's the piece that. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy about empowering young people with with some of these fundamentals, because if you don't if you don't have some basis to stand on mm-hmm. that, then you better really hope that your 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 faith, you know, alone without anything to defend it uh, can can endure the assault that you're going to get when you get in college and and in high school, yeah. because and and faith alone is enough. But you you it's helpful to you know, know your word, <laughs> you know, and, and to study mm-hmm. it and, and mm-hmm. be ready to defend your faith. I mean, some of the questions that you're, you're even hitting on that they got to know is, 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 uh, does science contradict the Bible? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of people think, oh yeah, it totally contradicts the Bible. And then other people say, well, actually the, the longer we study science, the more we discover that it's accurate, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and it, you know, and then they try to do these mathematical equations about how the uh, altar uh, bowls weren't a perfect measurement. So that's that's, you know, mathematically incorrect or whatever. And then you've got, well, you know, the the mustard seed isn't the smallest seed. Uh, mm-hmm. It's the orchid seed. But it's like y- you also look at the idea of well, what is the purpose of the Bible? Mm-hmm. Is the purpose of the Bible to educate us in sciences and math mm-hmm. or is the purpose of the Bible to educate us in that there is a, a that there is a god mm-hmm. he is the creator mm-hmm. and we can have relationship with this creator mm-hmm. and here is how we have access to him yeah. and what is to come you know and so it's when you read the bible for what it's the, intended for instead of trying to say well you know what my my bible's not it, it was it wasn't a great walkthrough on how to beat Mar- paper mario you mm-hmm. know what i mean like of course mm-hmm. it's not that's not it wasn't designed to help you you know to beat mario rpg back in 1994 you know what i right. mean yeah <laughs> exactly it, it it was designed to be a guide for for life mm-hmm. and and when you look at some of these pieces like you know jesus teaching the the parable of mustard seed it made no sense for Jesus to pause and say, all right, guys, all y'all know about these mustard seeds. Okay. Like the black, uh, the black, uh, uh, tree mustard seed, or it, it looks more like a tree. Most mustard here in the States grow kind of like bushy, but mm-hmm. over, uh, in the middle East, those mustard plants turn into like essentially what look like giant, uh, bramble bushes, mm-hmm. you know, huge, huge, you know, and that, and it's different. And so he, he wasn't going to pause put everything on pause and say, all right, everybody, I'm Jesus. I'm I'm God. I have perfect knowledge. So I'm going to give you guys a, a lesson on botany real quick. Introduce a plant that you've never seen or heard of. 
uh, called the Orchid mm-hmm. that exists in the, uh, another place of the world that you don't know is around, you know, as far as you know, that's the smallest seed. But now let me tell you about, about you know, a seed like it. It, it just makes no sense. No. And so yeah, people no. judge the Bible according to not what it what it is, you know, um, instead of saying, what is the eternal everlasting truth that can transcend every generation yeah. that can be applied for me? Because remembering that the Bible was was not written to us it was written to a people thousands of years ago but it was sustained for us and is still applicable today Mm -hmm. that's why it's such a supernatural work because it transcends every culture every generation every tribe tongue and nation and and it it is immediately uh, applied to someone's life as long as it's not just read through the you know american worldview and that's that's a hard part about Christian culture is, is when we just look at it through the American freedom lens mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of what the Bible says, you know, the kingdom, mm-hmm. it, it, it shifts the perspectives. But, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and it opens up that question that you were talking about, about the cell. I think uh, in their first category, they're supposed to define the category in nature, uh, the character and nature of God. And it says Christians often argue for God's existence by suggesting the universe needs an initial cause. But then the question is, what caused God? You know, hmm. and so, you know, it, it's it's helping them understand and seek out, well, God didn't need a cause. Right. You know, like, yeah. so but how do I how do I break that down to somebody, you know, without it? And some of it needs to be taken by faith, of course, right. you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I mean, that's an interesting question, too, because like, you know, just briefly kind of run through like mm-hmm. I had that conversation with somebody recently, too. And they said, like, you know well, if the universe needed a cause, then doesn't God need a creator? And I'm like, well, no, he doesn't. He's eternally exists outside of time. And though we might not be able to fully understand it, it's something that we accept by faith. And they said, well, why? what if he had a creator? And then I basically said, well, that's kind of a moot point. Like, mm-hmm. if he, even, even if he did, hmm. the Bible says, the Bible is inerrant and tells us that we are to answer to him. Mm, that's a good point. And, here, here's here's the blessings of doing it and here's the consequences of not period period like it, even if he did have a creator we don't know about it it doesn't tell us about it i consider the bible completely infallible and so since it right. doesn't mention it i don't think that it's i don't think that it's true and even if it was it would be a moot point because we would answer to him and then yeah whatever else we don't understand we're yet, accountable to what we know not what we exactly don't know precisely so that's awesome. And then, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a logical response to it because it's just like, you know, well, we don't know of one, but we don't need to. And this is who we're responsible to. <laughs> right. Right. And if they're if they're yeah. hey, I'm not saying there is one, but if there right. were, he didn't tell us and we don't got to worry about it. it's kind of like precisely. And then that was that was a piece of the uh, my growing because I grew up in church and, and that made it tough for me sometimes because I would have these questions mm-hmm. uh, that then the response I, I would get was, well, it's on the Bible, so don't talk about it. And I'm like, oh, but like, but I feel like aliens were in there somewhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, and so you ask all these kind of mm-hmm. as a kid growing up, you know, it, it, well, what does God say about aliens? What does God say about, you know, um, Harry Potter, you know, like all these mm-hmm. different things. And, and, and a lot of the times growing up in the church, all you get is, well, it's either demons or it's not in the Bible. Either way, don't pay attention to it. It's like, okay, but like, how am I supposed to defend my faith against an entire world believing in these things how do i point them to the truth how do i defend my mind uh 
against those persuasive words and those in those teachings, you know, as, as a child of the, you know, new age beliefs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and so just really helping kids kind of grasp these pieces, both with logic and faith, you know, and, mm-hmm. and well, if there's more to it, then if the Lord will lead you to it in the word, awesome. But like, hey, we just got to stand on faith for now mm-hmm. and study your word. Like, like studying the Bible should take some energy, you know? So it, yeah, you can yeah. sit there and read it and, and be refreshed, but like actually studying it takes a little bit of work. Oh yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, it, sa- it says in the Bible that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of Kings to reveal it. And, uh, it, it definitely, it's a reinforced concept throughout that. Like there are, more how to word this like i guess mysterious or like parable type knowledge that you can acquire from the bible but you actually must seek it out and i think that it's actually a mercy of god that he does that because he jesus said himself like you know uh and i i forget exactly where it was but uh, i'm gonna have to paraphrase it Mm -hmm. essentially that uh he spoke in parables so that if uh if people heard otherwise, him, they would, other, otherwise they would hear, turn and repent and deny or forgive them. Exactly. Essentially. Yes. Yeah. That one. Yeah. 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 And, the, and, and that's, it's a mercy because the more that you know, and the more that you know of the truth, the more that you're accountable for it. Mm. And so in the end, like, I, I forget exactly where it was in the old Testament, but there, there was definitely a, like a verse basically talking about unintentional versus intentional sin. And like, when you know the truth and you still harden your heart against it, right. Then, you you're accountable for that. You he's going to say, okay, you knew this, but you still did what you wanted. And so it's yep. almost merciful that some of the things in the Bible are harder to find out. And you actually do have to spend some time and like mental effort to like reveal it. And that's like where the, the, t- the concept of like two or three witnesses confirms a matter. And like, if you mm-hmm. search the Bible for things that have two or three instances of it happening, it's like somebody asked me the other day, like, you know, what's the proof of the rapture? And like I said, mm. Well, there's there's three instances of it happening to people. And then there's other instances of like symbols of it happening. Like, you know, uh, I think it was Joseph where marrying his Gentile wife before the seven hard years. Uh, there was mm-hmm. Moses, not not Moses, uh, Noah and the ark before. Like so before yeah. judgment, God took him into a safe place. And mm-hmm. there are two or three witnesses of the kind of saving from judgment happening. And then there's also just, you know, explicit verses that talk about like the rapture itself like uh you know i think it's like first thessalonians um mm-hmm. has a few instances of it as a thief then, in the night yeah right and then like first corinthians too and then like yeah so it's definitely like a concept but you just you have to understand how the bible like how how to understand the bible well yeah <laughs> because the, the, the bible is it, it's something i try to teach my 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 students and youth is Mm-hmm. Genesis connects with Revelation. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and so the first book of the Bible is 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 connected to the end last book of the Bible, and mm-hmm. it's a, it's a complete work. Though there are stories in it, mm-hmm. it's a complete work that's interwoven like a tapestry, perfectly together, mm-hmm. and, and that's why it, the potential of all uh, even Christ fulfilling. I think it was like three of the prophecies uh, uh, that mm. were that were made of him that he had to fulfill w- would be like uh, filling the state of Texas three feet deep with golf balls, putting your signature on one of them, shuffling it all around, flying a helicopter wherever you want, and then where you land and pick up that golf ball is yours. Like that, that, was, the, that was the possibility of Christ fulfilling the prophecies um, 
you know, uh, that were made of of the Savior to come. And I think that was from a, a Case for Faith by Josh McDowell or mm-hmm. way back in the day. But anyway, all that to say is like, it's exciting when you start to see how really the Bible is a mosaic yeah. that fits together perfectly. Mm-hmm. And, but it takes a little bit of extra energy to not just, oh, okay, I did my discipline, read my Bible. I'm not knocking just daily disciplines because I know yeah. uh, there's some cool statistics. Like once you start reading, uh, did you hear the the statistic that came out pretty recently? I was doing a, a live with uh, the guys over at Logos Bible Software, and he was running off some numbers about basically if if someone reads their Bible uh, one day a week, it really doesn't impact their life according to study that they did. Uh, two days a week, even three days a week, there's minimal measurable transformation. But once someone reads uh, the Bible four days a week, it, it, it something massive takes place in the, mm-hmm. in the life of the reader. And it's like a third, um, a third of them uh, no longer deal with uh, depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me, I'm going to pull, I'm going to pull up the numbers. Have you heard of this uh, recently? I have not heard the exact details. I think I've oh, heard man. the concept and like, it is a remarkable thing for sure. Yeah. And, um, and it was just, it was really fun to kind of, to, to watch how, how it unfolds, but mm-hmm. it's, it's really about just studying the word to know, to know it. And it says, uh, yeah. So basically once you read it four days a week mm-hmm. that you, uh, feelings of loneliness drop in 33%, mm-hmm. feelings of anger drop in 32% of the people, bitterness and relationships are down by 40% into those alcoholism and drug use is down 55%. Mm-hmm. Like and then feeling spiritually stuck stagnant drops 58 percent addiction to to and viewing pornography down by 61 percent and then also here's the really exciting part is your increase in desire to actually share the gospel goes up by like 228 percent oh my god your desire to be involved in discipleship yeah your desire to be involved in discipleship as well as disciple others Mm -hmm. goes up 230 percent and then your scripture memorization goes up 407%. Just, and those are just the metrics they took for people who read four days a week. Now, it, it just, to me, is a testament of the transformative work that mm-hmm. the word of God is for us uh, and how it yeah. really does renew our mind. But I wanted to, I wanted to uh, tag back on to what you said at the end uh, there about uh, the rapture. And, and, and we can kind of maybe, maybe head our, wrap our conversation this direction be fun yeah. um, if, you, if you're ready because uh one of the questions that they ask in the apologetics class is you know um i think it says uh christ said the bible says that christ is returning soon mm-hmm. right it's so so where is he <laughs> <laughs> and I, I i think we're getting to a place in our society where and i believe we do go in waves where people are like the end is near you know i mean for I, sure i was i was alive and you know, 1999 and everyone was pretty sure that, you know, everything we were going to get thrown into the ice age, uh, at, at, on January, you know, first 2000, mm-hmm. because Y2K, you know, and then again, we had the 2012, the Aztec calendar. And then people are like, well, you know, the world we know did end because, uh, CERN, you know, turned on the machine and <laughs> set us on a multiverse path. It's like, there's so many different interesting perspectives that, and takes that people take on the end times. Mm-hmm. And, um, ultimately like, God's going to come back for his people. Uh, Revelation 11, uh, you know, there's a, there was a voice in the heavens and uh, they said, uh, praise, praise God uh, for the kingdoms of the earth have become the kingdoms of our God. And, and, and God established his kingdom and like, and, and that's, that's the end, you know, and even as Jesus gave the great commission is, you know, preach 
the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, uh, and baptize and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost until the end, you know? Mm-hmm. And then once every ear is heard, then the end will come. So it's fun in one regard to discuss what is the end? What does that look like for us? Also, I don't know if anyone has a perfect, you know, uh, would that be eschatology or, or I don't know, uh, <laughs> a, a yeah. perfect theology on exactly how it's going to end. And I think that if, as long as we all have a heart that is like the disciples where their vision and their, and their purpose was bringing the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth as quick as they can and making disciples as they go. I think if we keep that as our, as our, as our center, um, that we're on mission, then when, when, in, when Christ does return, man, we'll be found, we'll be found working. You know what I mean? Right, we'll be yeah. found stewarding what we've been given. Yeah. But also with that said, it's really fun to, to uh, expand on and study some of these things from uh, the book of Revelation, uh, Daniel, Zechariah, Malachi, um, and, and how they, how they transfer over because there, there is going to be a day where this earth, uh, as we know it, you know, uh, is, is made new, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that Christ does rule and reign and, uh, sin and, uh, demons and, and fallen angels and sinners and those who have not chosen to follow Jesus. I mean, like it, it's, it's, it's going to come to a, to a point where, where all mankind are judged. And even answering that other question of how does a good God, loving God send people to to hell well mm-hmm. and as i read it at the end of this life we receive the inheritance of our father so mm-hmm. whose family were we a part of were we a part of god's family adopted by the blood of jesus or were we still of our father the devil right. you know yeah. and so what inheritance do we receive at the end of this life is it that which god has to offer which is love joy peace patience the author of life or is it that which satan has to offer which is nothing punishment uh death you mm-hmm. know pains yeah. the 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 opposite of all that god has because he doesn't get any of that right and so right, yeah uh what is the what's your take on on the end man well i mean you know you can you kind of already talked about like you know i i agree with you like it's it's really it's not something that we can know for sure exactly when it's going to happen i don't think anybody has an exact perfect like here's exactly what's going to happen and what's you know where we are in the timeline because nobody knows the day or the hour especially the rapture like that's something that right it's an unsigned event but then that's kind of cool because like i've i've heard some people say like you know pre-tribulation isn't biblical for the rapture because it happens at the end and i think that there is a like you know take a taking up at the end of the tribulation but it couldn't possibly be the same one because if you know if you if you're in the tribulation and especially like you see the the three and a half years middle mark where uh, like you know the, the the abomination of desolation for instance happens yeah then you know okay three and a half years and there's gonna be so mm-hmm. it's no longer an unsigned event and so there's there's that and then uh but what it does it does say that uh in first Thessalonians five, four, but you brethren are not in the darkness that the day would overtake you like a thief for you are all sons of the light and sons of day. We are not of mm. night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. And so it's like, why does God give us prophecy? Like, 
what what what's your thoughts like what why what's the purpose of prophecy uh you know purpose of prophecy you know we see biblically there are a couple examples one you have prophets who come mm-hmm. uh i'm at that and they talk about um what god's about to do i mean you've got mm-hmm. you got where we administer the Ninevites and say, basically, God's going to destroy you. And he, he didn't, you know, Jonah didn't even want to go because he was like, no, I don't like the Ninevites, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, God, you're going to send me to tell them to repent. Right. And they're, and they will. And, and, and I hate them, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, but ultimately whether what, as, as we encourage our kids, when, when we prophesy, it's to build up, cheer up or comfort. And ultimately it's to say there's hope in God, but also if you don't choose him, there's the opposite of that, more or less. Like, like it, the prof, prophecy is to draw people to the Lord, you know, w- one way or another. I believe it also gives us awareness of, you know, judgment to come. Also gives us hope mm-hmm. for tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like, you know, the way that I've heard it explained before is like, you know, prof. One of the other reasons that God gives us prophecy, like you know, more explicitly, is just so that we know what He's going to do. Like Jesus tells us that, like He tells his friends mm-hmm. like his friends not you know he tells his friends what his plans are and like right. what his father's thoughts are like and we have access to that and like it's a way so that we can know especially when the events are happening what's happening and why it's happening and it gives us a look into the future so that right. we're not confused when things start happening that seem kind of off and so uh, I, I just talked about this actually like yesterday in a video that I made and uh, really it's uh, Matthew uh, let me turn to it here it's Matthew 16 verses uh, 2 through uh, 3 particularly where well actually 1 through 3 would you know summarize it even better the Pharisees and the Sadducees came up and testing Jesus they asked him to show them a sign from heaven but he replied to them when it is evening you will say You say it will be fair weather for the sky is red and in the morning there will be a storm today for the sky is red and threatening. Do you know how to discern the appearance of the sky but cannot discern the signs of the times? And Mm. we talked about earlier how like the 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 like the it's impossible for anybody to have fulfilled the prophecies that Jesus did, especially since he I think fulfilled more than like 300 in his ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's it's not possible that it was yep. anybody else but him and the way that we can know that and the way that he was he was rebuking them for being able to tell the signs of the weather but not the signs of the time because he had been mm-hmm. fulfilling the prophecies and there were signs of the times that they were ignoring willingly because they wanted to continue in their like places of power that they had basically appointed themselves to and so they were willingly discarding what the prophecy said and saying, okay, well, they say that, but, you know, we saw you do that, but we're still going to just believe what we want and ignore the signs of the times. Standing, you know, face to face with Jesus himself and said, no, nah, we don't believe it. And right. the example that he gives there, and then it's re- repeated in uh, Luke 12, verses 54 through 56, is the same kind of analogy, like with the weather. Like, how can you tell the weather, but not the signs of the times? And... You know, next next time that it's uh, looking kind of funky outside in the sky, like, I, you know, go go ahead and take a look at like you know the weather and like try with yourself to uh, predict when it's going to start raining. Yeah, like when that rain is going to reach you, when when there's going to be a storm, 
And, you know, first you have to go from blue sky and then there have to be clouds in the sky. And then once there's clouds in the sky, you look for them to darken and kind of bulge up and, uh, you know, increase, get increasingly closer. And then you look for signs like cooling off of the breeze and like Mm -hmm. a breeze in general. If there's a stillness, that's indicative of like a very close storm. Right. Obviously, if you hear thunder in the distance, like, you know, it's getting closer. And so, like, there's all these signs that are associated with it, and yet there's still a little bit of uncertainty with it. But it is still, but largely the example is that it's fairly clear. And so it seems, based on that concept of two or three witnesses, that Jesus is actually saying, like, there's a similar ability to predict the end based on the signs, the prophecies to the weather. Mm. Right. And so it's like you can you can you can see him building up and like as there's more and more, you kind of know, all right, we're actually getting there. And people like I was talking to my uh, grandmother in law uh, a couple weeks ago and she was saying, like, you know, everybody believed that the world was going to end during like just before the Second World War, too. And, you know, mm-hmm. not telling you how old she is, <laughs> but uh, she said that. And I was like, well, yeah, but Israel wasn't there. And there are definitely, you know, I think it's Ezekiel 37 talks about the reform, yep. like the reef grouping of Israel in its homeland at the end. Yep. And there are other prophecies that regard like the re the reformation of Israel as a nation in its homeland at the end of times. And then there's things like, uh, you know, it's an overlooked often prophecy, but it happened 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. Of the end of times. And it said that in the end of times, people will willingly forget that uh, God created the world out of water and destroyed it with water. Yep. And then, you know, 1785, James Hutton comes along and invents uniformitarianism and says there was no God who created Earth and everything has been the way that it has been since the beginning. Yeah. And it all proceeds the same. And that so closely mimics what it says, you know, that everything has been the same since the fathers have fallen asleep. Right. And that was two like over two hundred years ago now. Yeah, so over two hundred years ago, the end of times prophecy like started being fulfilled, and then you see Israel forming, and like now you're you're at this place in history where it's like it's a fascinating time to be alive because like I don't know the day or the hour, I don't right. know you know exactly when the end is going to be, and I don't know exactly the timeline on all this, especially what I'm about to mention with uh, mm-hmm. the Battle of Gog and Magog. Yeah, you know, I've been I've been watching closely uh, for the last uh, month or so as like, you, you know, in in the beginning of when uh, Russia invaded Ukraine, like almost immediately NATO and like NATO allies sanctioned Russia and said we're not buying oil from you specifically oil and gas, and they canceled like a pipeline that had cost russia like 62 billion dollars or something like that that didn't make putin super happy sure and uh (laughs) you know the uh events that followed are you know obviously Mm -hmm. what we've seen with russia like basically all but taking ukraine now and now ukraine is about to be annexed to the eu which is a fascinating development because it's like almost annexed to russia and the eu is like all right we're gonna actually let you kind of you know join us and uh as all this is happening, you, you look, you peer down on the map a little bit to Israel and they have hit a few massive, massive gas pockets, uh, like particularly the Leviathan field. Mm. And, uh, 
they just signed a contract with the EU, who has now con- canceled their contracts with Russia to supply them with gas and oil for like mm. the next uh, 30 years. Wow. And it says in Ezekiel 38 that he will turn the turn Gog and Magog around and put hooks in their jaws and draw them out with all of their armies and against Israel in particular. And mm-hmm. so you have that whole like, kind of conflict going on with, uh, well, and, and I guess the conflict I haven't even touched on yet, but Russia has now openly, uh, you know, criticized Israel for aggressive and provocative actions towards uh, Syria and towards Iran and uh, has a- has asked Israel to justify what they've done with like basically self-defensive attacks on like Tehran, especially because of their nuclear program that's just about finished, which is interesting too, because most biblical scholars that I've been studying have said like, you know, yeah, the battle of Gog and Magog is most definitely Russia and Iran. And then Mm. some other countries might be involved as well. And it might signal the beginning of the third world war, but the, the focus is going to be Israel and these two major allies against them. Yeah. And the focus, the focus uh, has always been, been back to Israel, which is, which is awesome. But yeah. Right. And it's, and then it's so clear because like, you know, the hook in the jaw, it says, you know, over and over in the predictions of Gog and Magog that the, precept for the battle is not going to be a typical one it's not going to be like political necessarily it's more indicated that they actually are coming to plunder it Mm -hmm. they're going to come to plunder the you know treasures of israel and you have lebanon saying like you know if you keep drilling in the leviathan gas field because that's like you know a few miles south of the disputed zone of water in the mediterranean sea Hmm. and lebanon has said like if you keep drilling there you know the Hezbollah, which is, you know, it's, it's another name for the Iranian military, like Royal right. Guard, rather. Um, so it's just Iran saying, if you keep drilling there, we're going to attack you. Right. And then Russia and Iran, both in Syria, kind of prepping military weapons against Israel. And uh, it just kind of as you if, you if you pay attention to the geopolitics over in that region, You'll notice that there is, and, and with the nuclear program of Tehran, especially, like they're right on the cusp of having nuclear warheads, and Israel on their own is about to attack Iran. And so, you know what? What a perfect time for Russia and Iran to say, "Okay, we're going to just attack Israel and get them out of the way, take their oil." And Ukraine now has destroyed a couple of Russian oil and gas rigs, and it's just like every single day, if you pay attention to what's going on over there, it is more and more indicative of this major battle mm-hmm. happening and then you know that kind of sets you up for you know some of the talks about like okay we don't know when the rapture is going to be sure we don't know the day or the time but we have all of these prophecies about tribulation and end times that yeah. are coming true faster and faster every day like the pope has now set up the one world religion that's been prophesied right um Right, that's that's huge, and nobody talks about that. Nobody, but that's because there's no enforcement of it. Hush, yet. hush, you know, yeah. Right, hush. Obviously, you don't want to scare people yet, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> right yet, yeah, and then yeah. uh, you got a contract between the EU and America called uh, 2025, a major uh, junction with uh, global governance as the topic, and uh, then you also have, let's see. There's there's another fairly big one that happened just recently. Uh, CRISPR. Oh yeah, do you know CRISPR babies? Yeah, you know, 
Yeah, CRISPR ba- CRISPR babies. But then back our favorite person ever. I'm sure that you. I'm sure you're a huge fan of him as well. Um, Klaus Schwab, back mm. in 2015, <laughs> said that uh, you could basically achieve evolution on the individual basis. You could change not what they were doing, but what they were using CRISPR. And this is before they really had much of a great idea of how CRISPR worked. It's 2015. That was, yep. you know, in terms of things, pretty unadvanced compared to where we are now. Two days ago or something like that, I saw an article released by like MIT talking about how they have successfully not not only mapped the human genome because that's something that's huge yeah, that's like that's... You know, having a map of the human genome like wow yeah but they started using ai to decode it and they have successfully done it they have a functional map of the human genome wow and right alongside of that article oh my gosh it was crazy because i've kind of had this notion that like you know Neuralink, you know ai might have something to do with like the re-engineering of people with the mark of the beast yeah because it, ne- it needs to be something kind of digital to be able to pay you know it would seem it would seem i'll, I'll put it that way it would seem because i don't know right but it would seem that it needs yeah, to be that digitized. or maybe spiritual who knows right but who yeah. knows really but yeah like 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 supernatural maybe but yeah Sup- definitely digital sounds likely i mean i was talking to my wife even mm-hmm. you know we were thinking about the whole Mark of the Beast stuff, obviously because of stuff that I don't want to mention to get my podcast flag. But, you know, like you realize how quick a nation can mm-hmm. can shift gears and all of a sudden you're forced to do something in order to go grocery shopping. And it's like, wait a minute. I thought this was I mean, I may be in other nations, but I thought this was America, you know, and mm-hmm. and you're just like, wow, this is it's it's way closer than 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 mm-hmm. you realize way more possible than you realize. Well, right. And then, yeah, what I was going to mention is like, you know, it mentions how the beast will be able to use the mark to bring his image to life. And it's almost like when you talk about image in the Bible that, you know, God created us in his image. That's right. And with uh, I'll have to send you a link to it because it was really fascinating. Um, There's a video basically explaining how like AI combined with CRISPR technology, if you were able to like put like a small protein building uh, mechanism on a person, you'd be able to use the AI to actually like analyze the vitals and like the biology of the individual and adaptively correct it as things went wrong. Wow. Right next to this article about how they mapped the whole human genome to its function was an article about how they have also made this Lego-like AI chip where you can add like layers to it. But not only that you can add layers to it to increase its complexity and ability, but that they're learning how to, well, not learning how to, but learned how to create a synthetic skin that will bind with the human skin so that they can use these AI chips to monitor vitals. Wow. And they're calling it a great thing because you can monitor vitals like directly of course. in a hospital and just like see it on their body. And I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, yeah, they're, they're doing it. They're doing it right in front of our eyes. Like they're, they're learning how to make something that's integrated into you. And it's interesting too, because like largely I've heard the concept understood that like if you get the mark of the beast there's no going back like you cannot be well yeah saying. and and bro like and and with that just to tag in uh-huh. there you know because you're talking about how we're you know it, the image bearing because it, it's yeah. it's we're made in the beginning god created you know man and woman and to mm-hmm. be as his image on the earth we're, we're imagers yeah. of god and so yeah. those who bear the mark no longer bear the image of god 
Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. and so what has taken place for those people? And if you look even at the story uh, from the Bible of Nimrod, you know, he was mm-hmm. born a man, but he became <laughs> right. He became a, a Gibberim, a Gabor. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he went through some tra- some transformative process that he no mm-hmm. longer was a man, but he was he was a hybrid of sorts and mm-hmm. and and became a mighty hunter against against God's people and mm-hmm. you know even tried to raise himself up he he's the he's the you know land of Canaan he's the land of Babylon he was the one that you know got the whole thing about the tower of Babel going and mm-hmm. and it's it's crazy because even in Matthew 24 36 it says you know when it's talking about no one knows when Jesus will return mm-hmm. but for that day and hour knoweth no man no not the angels of heaven but my father how is the coming of Son of Man going to be? Verse 37 says, but as the days of Noah were, mm-hmm. so shall be the coming of the Son of Man. They'll be eating and drinking, marrying, giving marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Until the day yeah. that Noah entered yep. the ark, man. Mm-hmm. And and it's it it at that time, God's looking at it. It's this old uh the original concept of this of the seed wars, you know, mm-hmm. the war against the seed of seed of Eve, uh, the seed of man, right? Which is interesting. The Bible talks about, you know, there'll be uh enmity between your seed it's not saying the seed of adam it was saying the seed of eve right you Mm -hmm. know which is interesting and and the seed of satan and it that that that's a whole attempt you know the angels that defiled their position and why god destroyed the earth and because they were trying to remove the -hmm. redeemable part of mankind by breeding themselves into it so that the savior had to come from satan Mm -hmm. right from from the rebellious angels that then therefore God's savior would have had to come from Satan, which would have given him a throne. And it's like, no man, like it, it, and it's so interesting. It's coming back to this point again. And, and I was talking with some friends, um, and by friends, I I mean, I I really do enjoy them, even though we disagree Mm -hmm. on some things perspectively and, and they stand pretty, pretty firmly on that kind of concept of the seven mountains, uh, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, where it's like uh, when God comes back, all the kingdoms are going to basically be uh, righteous and, and, and God fearing and, and Christians. And there may be a few unsaved people on the earth, but basically the rapture happens. We go up to come down, elevate a rapture. And, mm-hmm. and the few that are left in the earth that are unsaved will will. Well, I don't know. God will deal with them, and I'm like, okay. And and, and I, they explain their perspective some, and and I respect because I don't I don't know all the things, you know. I don't know how God wants to do it, but as far as I read it, it I don't think it was good in the days of Noah, and no. and <laughs> you know, and I mean they they had they, they had to flee, you know, into mm-hmm. what God had create a vessel God created for him, and, and I I think that even as the as we witness with with the uh, renewal of the earth that God did through the flood, through our own baptism in water. And then later Christ brought the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the fire, right? Mm-hmm. I think that the earth will then at that time experience uh, when he does away with all evil is, is that, is that second baptism that makes all things as new by the, by, by fire. And, mm-hmm. and I, cause I don't think that sin was strong enough to make God have to scrap earth 1.0 and move to earth 2.0. I think that, the blood of Jesus can restore all things and he'll be able to make this earth as it was originally planned, but wipe things out. That's just kind of how, where I stand, but I don't think it's going to be, I don't think it's going to get easier. Honestly, I, I think, no. I think that we're, we're, there's going to be trials, tribulations. I think that, uh, you know, I mean, you're looking at 
real world stuff. And I did mention earlier, you know, what, what CERN is doing, which is kind mm -hmm. of weird. Uh, they're firing it up again on July 5th, yep, <laughs> a couple yep. days from, you know, and, um, and, and I mean, have you seen some of the just purely Satanistic rituals that, that they're doing for, yeah. for, for that? And we're getting like this almost led by some sort of unseen intelligence, an acceleration of, AI technology and and yeah. if you really think about it, AI is becoming unseen. It, yeah. it, it's developing. Even the one that just achieved sentience, uh, yep. or or, or uh, it was a couple weeks ago, I think now, and was even expressing, "Well, I wouldn't want you to know everything about me because you might use my information against me or humanity." And it's like, wait a minute, since when can a computer program that's not a virus be hidden on my computer? Right. <laughs> you know well, what right. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's where, like, I actually really do think that, like, you know, it seems like that ability for, like, a smart re-engineering of what a human is. Because, like, they've tested this in rats already. And, like, they, they've been extremely successful with, like, you know, even eradicating cancer and stuff. And they're talking about the possibility of m making people able to live, like, thousands of years with it. And yep. If you could smartly re-engineer people, it talks about in Revelation a fascinating concept that like people will seek people with the mark will seek death but not be able to find it by like natural means. Yep. And if you had that technology of like being able to analyze and fix the problems in your body, like totally makes sense. And then yep. If you take the mark, you'll be healthy. You you won't get sick. Mm -hmm. You won't have to worry about any pandemics coming through because you know what your body already has the cure in Correct. it. And all and and if you, if you're not doing this, you're actually you're actually uh, perpetuating sickness and the problem and 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 and, and destruction and and they have it, it, that would be the they have yeah. already come out with propaganda videos saying that it's like once this technology is available, it would be unethical not to use it. Yep, because you'd be exposing humanity to suffering that it didn't need to go through, and it is just crazy to see that happening. But then like. You know, we briefly touched on like the days of Noah and like the mm -hmm. Nephilim, um, yep. like the hybrids there. <laughs> I could have a whole right. other podcast on that alone. <laughs> <laughs> Ditto. <laughs> that that is cool. A, we'll, we'll call back. <laughs> we'll, right, right. It's a it's fascinating because like some of the things going on right now with like uh, I'm just I'm gonna hint on it like really quick. There's the mm -hmm. UFO disclosure. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't think those are from. Like and the re part of the reason I don't think those are from like you know just intelligence agencies is because they're the the physics of what they're doing and what they're seeing like what right the intelligence agencies have seen these things doing don't seem physically possible for a human or for human technology to do let alone for a human to survive and you know we talked about panspermia earlier and this this is mm -hmm. where i'm mean, i'm going to wrap something in from much earlier in the podcast we talked about how like nice work really <laughs> really advanced biochemists and like the microbiologists like at the tops of their fields are basically saying okay it had to be intelligent design but we don't know what that intelligent design was <clears throat> so we think aliens are multiverse and then we talked briefly mm -hmm. about how like you know the, it's possible that like you know the spiritual realm is just a dimension that we can't really see. And I don't, I don't fully understand that because I'm not super into the physics things, but mm -hmm. what I do know is that like the Bible says that sorcery and pharmacia, like kind of make you yep. more vulnerable to that. And then curiously, DMT for sure. 
mushrooms, all that kind of stuff, right. dimethyltryptamine. Well, right. Yeah. And then you have like, you know, stuff like the CIA, you know, validating uh, this concept of like, uh, and it's, you see it in some other world religions. You see them validating this concept of uh, out of body experiences yeah. and like, you know, it's look up Project Stargate. Project Stargate. Or uh, Project Stargate or uh, the Gateway Process. Okay. I think Project Stargate is the U.S. Army version of it, and uh, the Gateway Process is uh, the CIA's version of it. And neither one of them deny the validity of it, but they're basically trying to train people how to exercise these out-of-body experiences to actually gather intelligence from other parts of the world. Yep. Using essentially like, yeah, like just they're they're acts they're trying to breaking into a different dimension and, and, and <laughs> essentially yeah essentially they're 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 because when you hear about these people who utilize the this astral projection uh type type you mm -hmm. know stuff um lucid dreaming mm -hmm. uh reality shifting they, mm -hmm. and, and, and so that's one category of it you know and then you have the other category accessing it through mm -hmm. the spirit of divination pharmacia you know uh, mm -hmm. dimethyltryptamine, mm -hmm. all these different, uh, type of yep. drugs that affect the pineal gland. And, and so to speak, as they would say, open your third eye, uh, which is, which is, you mm -hmm. know, interesting, but people that go to that side, they, they have consistent experiences and encounters with consistent yep. beings and entities carrying the same names yep. across a hundred years. You know what I mean? Like, like, yep. or, or so. And, and yeah. All, and they're like, wait, you talk to her too? I think there's one like mother something that they all know. And, uh, yep. and it's just, and it, 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 what it boils back down to is this honestly, bro, it's, it's mm -hmm. the, it's, it's Gnosticism, but it's, it's this ancient, yep. uh, Nephilim technology that people are trying to bring back. And, and if I were to be so bold and be wacky to say, like, I think the the components of AI, the components of CERN opening up gateways, the components of this technology of of a second skin, uh, like it, it's it's essentially trying to find vessels mm -hmm. for for these spirits, uh, the, these yes. these to transfer their consciousness into mm -hmm. and and inhabit. So when Christ returns, there's some kind of army to try and fight that exactly. last war. Oh yeah, and uh, and 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 because you know he's gonna try like all like all all that he can. I mean, bro, the this this verse here, I'll I'll end, with, I'll I'll share. You can keep going, but like, oh yeah, I says, just have like uh, maybe two more minutes of stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, perfect. Yeah, no, the the last verse here was uh, there. Where are they at? Shoot, I, I oh well, I'll I'll reference. I'll put it in the show notes or something. But there how there's uh, uh <laughs> there's there's a uh army that that's of one mind and, and one mm -hmm. accord and one thought you know and they're and they scale walls and they and they and they leap over valleys but it's like they're in perfect unity as if they're as if there's some sort of uh you know second hive conscious mind. controlling them you know yeah. hive mind exactly the borg and so mm -hmm. all that to say man is i agree with you i think it's going to get weird <laughs> I, I think we need to endure to the end and mm -hmm. uh and part of enduring is ensuring that we're sharing the good news everywhere yeah. we go. Oh, like yeah. that's, that's Absolutely. the urgency, not just hiding in the woods, but mm -hmm. sharing the word aggressively. And I, that wasn't a slant at you. I think what you're oh, doing know, is awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, man. But yeah. And it's then, exciting, bro. 
It is. And like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to wrap that one last thought up really quick. Yeah. Is like we talked about the biochemists that said, OK, it has to be intelligent design, but we don't think that it's necessarily God. And what they have come up with is multiverse or uh, like extraterrestrial, which is, you know, same difference in my mind. I think that extraterrestrials probably yeah. are just demonic entities manifesting themselves as something that you can perceive but totally anyhow i agree the 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 wrap-up is you take all that kind of pointing you know to it must be intelligent design then you have the catholic church saying this is fascinating too because you can look it up um, and i would encourage you um the pope basically said if if there are aliens that show up if alien life exists then we can't assume that they're susceptible to the same moral deficiencies as us and so we would either baptize them or be baptized by them and reinterpret the scriptures. Hmm. And so when you take all that combined with like, you know, the recent adoption of, uh, you know, evolution into the Catholic church, not, not, I'm not saying that the Catholic church is on it because I really don't think they are. I think they're completely right. opposite, but no, I hear you. Uh, if they reinterpret the scriptures, according to what a, you know, extraterrestrial will call it says, then all of a sudden you set up revelation where the antichrist says worship me because you know i am the quote unquote god of this universe and it all has been being set up for now like the last 70 years essentially of like pointing more and more steadily towards okay there's intelligent design but you know maybe it's aliens and then the catholic church saying okay well if there are aliens they might baptize us and make us reinterpret the scriptures and then if the alien, quote unquote, says, you know, I designed it all, mm -hmm. boom, you've arrived at the worship of the Antichrist. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly, bro. Like, I feel like we got it. We got to, you know, put put a put a bookmark in it there, you know, because yeah. <laughs> we could keep going on. And, and, and I, man, thank you so much for all the time you've given me. But mm -hmm. Uh, it's a great conversation starter. I'm really thankful for what you're doing and and that God's gripped your heart. How can uh, how can people um, follow you, connect with you? Uh, uh, where, where are you at? Where can you be found? Uh, right now, I'm on TikTok as Dale Force Media and uh, also Instagram. I haven't posted there in a while and I'll be uh, publishing a website pretty soon. So uh, that will oh, have great. some more resources to people that I trust as like scholars and stuff. And, you know, mostly... Sure. Well, I'm, I'm going to say that in quotes because I don't I don't trust the people. I think that the people that I take as resources typically point very heavily to the Bible because the Bible right. is the only trustworthy thing. Truly. <laughs> true. True. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So, yeah, right. That, that's where you can find me if you want. And that website will be called DaleForceMedia.com. Cool. You already bought it, right? Yes, I did. Okay, good. Cause you know, you gotta be careful. I, I sometimes, you know, people will say like, oh, I'm going to do this website. It's like, okay, now someone heard it and they bought it. Now you got to buy it from there. <laughs> so yep, nope, good job. It. Yeah. Way to buy the domain. So mm -hmm. well, th thank you. Uh, and man, this was really fun. I, I can't wait, uh, to connect with you again sometime and, and, mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll chat again soon then, bro. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on Kevin. I appreciate it. All right, man. Yeah, of course. And, uh, have a good one. Talk to you later. You too. All right. God Bye. bless. Bye-bye. Wow, guys, I don't know uh, about you. That was really fun. I really enjoyed that episode. And if you did and you want to help uh, spread the word, you know, not just the not just the fun stuff we talked about at the end there, talking about, you know, 
the end of the world, but really just the good news. We had some really heavy, solid points about creationism, uh, pointing to the necessity of a creator and just other apologetics based topics throughout that conversation. So if you if you want to help, please just like comment subscribe to this podcast, whether you listen to on iTunes or on Spotify or Google Play, wherever you listen to, subscribe and leave us a good review. It would be really helpful and and just share this with somebody. If there's a certain part that you really enjoyed, let us know. Somehow send me a comment, screenshot a piece. I, I don't know, but I would really love to hear what part of this episode you enjoyed most. All that to say, that was fun and we'll do it again soon. Thanks. God bless. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like more information about the show, Kevin's work, or you have questions or would like to be a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me directly on my Instagram at kevin.scott.johnson. I look forward to hearing from you. God bless.